Good afternoon, good morning. Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. Welcome back to Loyalty Live. Uh, another edition, great edition, looking forward to it. In the series, you know, we talk to the leaders in customer channel brand loyalty on both the supplier and the brand side about the technology trends and best practices they are seeing uh, in the market. Um, very focused on the uh, ability of brands to drive unique experiences, engagement, and most importantly, customer loyalty. Uh, in the month of April, we are embarking on a mini series of Loyalty Live uh, sessions, looking forward to the trends that will likely shape the months ahead. Today, we had the pleasure of speaking at with Tanya Toel, who's the Vice President of Client Services at Kobe. That seems incredibly difficult for me to say today. Uh, a lot of tongue twisters there, at least for me. Uh, so Tanya, how are you today? I'm great, thank you, Mark. Thanks so much for having me, I'm excited for this. Absolutely, um, looking forward to talking to you about some of the trends that we're seeing. Uh, first off, we'd like to know a little bit of background about you, uh, your role with the organization. And for those who don't know Kobe, it would be great to give a refresher course there as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, like I said, uh, thank you for having me. I am um, Vice President of, of Client Services, but I actually run the retail client portfolio at Kobe. That's my that's my drill down. Um, and we are Kobe is a loyalty program or company uh, focused on driving enterprise value through loyalty. That's our mission. Um, before Kobe, I spent well over uh, twenty years in two different industries: um, cable network TV and mobile engagement marketing. Um, and interestingly, I joined both of those industries at a time when new technologies were fundamentally reshaping the landscape. Um, so it sounds oddly familiar to where we are right now. Uh, but first it was a shift to digital TV and later it was the introduction of the iPhone that completely redefined, not consumer, but you know, dare we say human behavior. Um, and my career has always been about leveraging technology to facilitate meaningful connections between consumers and the things they're passionate about. So first it was TV screen, then it was a mobile screen, and now it's all channels um, at Kobe as we take this idea of meaningful connections and turn it into loyalty. Okay, great. Uh, collectively, over the last year, we've been through a lot, uh, brands, retailers, individuals, uh, a lot of challenges, a lot of changes, a lot of opportunities. Uh, when you look at the consumers uh, with your focus on the retail side, what do you think the primary manners that are ways that customers and consumers are changing? Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent question. And um, I would have to say primary is the operative word there uh, because we've all experienced a number of changes, obviously, this past year. I think that the, the primary way that I've seen consumers really evolve is a sense of rapid and almost universal adoption of digital technology and adoption as a means to completely redefine what everyday experiences look like. Um, as a result, our norm now exists on an even like, broader spectrum. And you know, though some of this early on um, adoption might have been uncomfortable for some, maybe on the older edge of the end of the demographic spectrum, um, certainly younger uh, Gen Zers and earlier demographics uh, expect this. Um, it has, this, this necessity has expanded the definition of what basic everyday human experiences look like. What does it mean to shop, go to gro get groceries, go to work, connect, um, go out for dinner, see a new movie. Um, and so for a lot of consumers, the newly defined experiences are actually great. They're convenient, they're quick, they're streamlined. Um, so now brands face this challenge of continuing to deliver a meaningful experience regardless of channel or environment, is it real life or digital? And, no, and regardless of what, where the genesis takes place, where, where does the start of your experience um, 
where, where does your experience begin? Because many times it's not in your store, it's in your living room, it's in your kitchen table, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we did earlier in the year in the Q1 uh, digital magazine, uh, we put out a uh, quarterly magazine, we focused on some of the, the trends uh, around customer experience, customer loyalty. We asked uh, our supplier partners, the consultants, uh, you know, kind of the top three trends that they think were going to be impactful this year, and we highlighted them in that magazine. Um, I think we we're going like, to drill down on a couple of those uh, trends. And uh, the three top trends we saw were data integration, personalization, and agility. Uh, so the first one, data integration, uh, the, obviously the number one area, uh, data is very important. Uh, most responses to the surveys we had were had some kind of uh, piece around data, right? It's in growing importance. Obviously, with even today, uh, Apple and their their Facebook, uh, sorry, their, their privacy changes coming out, you know, that that's going to definitely impact a brand's ability to acquire, engage, and retain customers as well, potentially. How do you think brands will need to change the way they're looking at and using data, not just to meet, but to exceed, you know, ex the expectations of customers? Oh, that's such a... It's such a great question and such a key focus area. You know, I, I'd almost say this is this has been in the this has been years in the making for most brands, Kobe included. Um, but I think last year really accelerated many longer term plans around brands and companies' data architecture. I think that the key um, the key lies in flexibility and unification. Brands need to be able to bring in various data sources and types into a holistic architecture and then set up decisioning and measurement that supports increasingly flexible segmentation and targeting. Um, and we believe, we believe very firmly that your loyalty data is, is your blueprint. And like any good blueprint, you want it to be as thorough and as legible as possible. So as, as brands look to widen out the types of data they collect beyond the transaction, in between the transaction, they're gonna to need to have a thoughtful way to house, access, decision, measure all of that data in a really flexible and unified way. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. When you look at uh, optimization data, very important, zero party data, uh, obviously the first party data you get uh, from uh, the transactional information you have in store, mm -hmm. online, what have you, uh, being able to optimize that data and deliver real-time relevant interactions is very important. Uh, mm -hmm. across channels. Do you have any uh, kind of advice uh, that uh, brands should be looking at to simplify that process to make it easier for them to action on? Yeah, I think simplification lies in not becoming paralyzed with all that data. You know, say, it, say it's flexible and now it's unified and now the challenge is how to optimize it. And when you're talking about large amounts of data, there's this tendency to focus on okay, how do I get it and where do I store it? But the advice I'd offer is to focus on making it as useful as possible. And you do that by having a really clear idea of how data needs to serve the next best decision. Um, one way, a really good way of doing that is implementing and considering machine learning models that can quickly identify your trends, good and bad, um, predict behavior and analyze some of those impacts and outcomes that are ultimately going to be key to being able to leverage the data um, and leveraging it in real time and across multiple channels. Okay, great. Uh, kind of touched on a little bit, zero party data, uh, declared data is obviously uh, more and more important. Uh, we just finished uh, our first industry report and that's an area brands really are struggling with. Uh, you know, uh, surveys, quizzes, how do you create that data set and, and again, get it into that unification that you talked about uh, yeah. in a flexible manner uh, as part of that blueprint. So you know, what do you think and how should brands be looking at zero party data, declare data 
in a way to differentiate themselves from their customer set? Uh, it, I feel like this this is a term that we are hearing more and more, um, and it's, it's it's an excellent question. You know, I, I think when done right, zero-party data can actually be the key to meaningful differentiation, specifically because it allows consumers to volunteer their preferences with a specific brand in mind. To your point about gamification and quizzes and um, and questions that you're asking, uh, if it's your favorite cocktail or your favorite location here or there, your, your responses are given within light of a specific brand. So brands then, and especially brands with loyalty programs, have this additional luxury of laying in that zero-party data with their protected first-party data and even augmenting with third-party to curate experiences that then really deliver on the meaningful connections I spoke about earlier and the connections that lead to loyalty because you're ultimately tailoring everything to information that the, that the consumer has given you with yourself in mind, if that makes absolutely. sense. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's definitely an area of interest. Brands are uh, trying to uh, create that unique engagement, even if it's just with a smaller subset, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. obviously they'll be more emotionally engaged, emotionally connected, uh, and hopefully that leads to uh, greater transactions, greater uh, incremental revenue opportunities as well. Absolutely. So uh, personalization was the second trend that we saw coming out of the survey in the, in the first quarter. Uh, you know, a new le- level of personalization is being talked about more and more and this idea of hyper-personalization. What does hyper-personalization mean to you and to Kobe? Hyper-personalization, um, you know, it's, remember the time, remember the day where personalization was like your name and your salutation and, um, and now you can, hyper-personalization to us pretty much refers to the ability to personalize just about anything, you know, uh, thanks to this unending amount of data and attributes and preferences. Um, But, you know, for Kobe and for my clients, um, the recommendation is always balancing that approach and personalizing what really matters um, at the risk of personalizing everything. Um, Today, we know it goes beyond salutation. We know that you can also change tone, language, timing, imagery. And at Kobe, we use our proprietary tool, Emotional Loyalty Scoring, to identify exactly what images language, copy, subject lines will best tap into that consumer emotional connection. Um, And that connection in turn spurs the intentional behavior and desired outcomes you're looking for. Absolutely. Uh, Hyper-personalization is, as we mentioned, uh, more important, more uh, suppliers, partners, uh, agencies talking about it. Mm-hmm. How can delivering these hyper-personalized messages, especially in, in, as you mentioned, you know, what is important? You don't want to hyper-personalize everything because there's a huge cost to that, being able to do that at scale in, in real or near real time. You know, when you look at delivering hyper-personalized messages, offers, experiences, you know, how can that lead to improved long-term loyalty and increase customer lifetime value? Yeah, at the um, at the risk of being too um, too specific, it allows brands to expand the dimension by which you're thinking about your consumers, um, and consumers in turn feel like brands see them for who they are holistically, rather than seeing them as some as as the next purchase. Um, and that's why I think if you're looking at just transactional history and basing, basing um, segmentation or experience decisions off of that, yeah, the, seg- the, the transactional piece might feel familiar to consumers, but it's, it's way too one-dimensional and almost superficial. Um, like, 
all I am to you is a dollar amount. Brands, brands who demonstrate that they know and respect how a consumer thinks, um, how they behave, how they feel are going to ultimately win because consumers who feel respected and valued for the whole relationship, not just as a transaction, um, are the ones that are going to actually ultimately grow in loyalty and lifetime value. Absolutely. Uh, one of the challenges we hear about hyper-personalization, personalization in general, uh, different data stacks, the MarTech stack uh, is becoming increasingly difficult. Having a unifying uh, you know, application like yours, a CDP or a data lake or some mm -hmm. repository obviously helps. But there is a challenge potentially with the CFO to make sure that there's a causal relationship between the efforts you're putting in and the relationships you get back, the incremental spend, incremental loyalty, uh, the emotional connection, uh, increased engagement, purchasing. So how do you look at that? What's the best way to track, measure that, that, ca you know, that causal relationship? Oh, man. Attribution? Whew. It's like the billion-dollar question. If I, if I had that answer, I'd be making a lot of money. Um, you know, there are... When you're talking about measurement and um, an impact outcomes, the tangible quantifiable output of, of the work that you're doing, there are tons of ways that you could look at measurement. I think that's where the confusion comes from. Is it RFM? Is it we're collecting reviews and now we have all these social KPIs and followers and likes and, um, and now we see cross product purchases. Um, but I think, well, and because you asked me for the best way to, to track or measure, um, I tell you exactly what I tell my clients, which is that you have to understand and ultimately define for your, for your brand what success looks like first. And at Kobe, we have defined the success of loyalty. Our mission is to deliver enterprise value. So for us, all of our initiatives are anchored to that philosophy and they ultimately all have clear ties to the client's bottom line. So even if we have multiple ways of measuring success and impact, um, we're still aligning with clients on a hypothesis around X percent lift. Um, this, is the, this is the lift we're looking to see. Uh, we activate, implement, and measure against that hypothesis. And then we work together to assess the impact and outcomes. Um, and we do it again and again and again. But I think having, having a clear definition of what success looks like and anchoring to it is, um, is the way I'd describe it. Okay, great. And then last area that we saw in, in the Q1 magazine was agility. Uh, you know, marketers who run customer loyalty programs or just running marketing in general, not only had to worry about kind of engaging the customer's right message, do you have empathy, is there enough empathy, too much, is it real, you know, but also buying online, picking store, there was a lot of innovation as well yeah. that they had to balance too. And they also saw that a lot of their uh, loyalty and customer experience platforms may not have done exactly what they thought they would. Uh, it didn't allow them to market someone in Des Moines where New York may have been offline, right? So um, agility was very important. So when you look at it uh, from a brand perspective, how important is it for brands to be both creative and responsive in their loyalty engagement strategies to differentiate themselves from their competitors? Creative and responsive. Is that a trick question? I think so, yes. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's wildly important to be well, both. I have to blame the editorial team on that. Uh, they come up with great <laughs> questions. I, I just try to, you know, put them they're forward. Good. No, they're good. I mean, That's it's good. it's super important to be both creative and it responsive. Is, you're right, but it's challenging. It is. And, you know, after it's important because in loyalty, at least, um, your goal is always to deliver those meaningful connections and experiences, which take both. But, you know, if, if I were to weigh one over the other, I think I'd have to pick responsiveness. Um, and it's because brands want brands want to build, build strong, enduring relationships and showing that you care and have empathy and are listening to what the customer needs are ultimately has to come before you go about how to do that. 
So I think once you know the what, then you get into the how, and the how is where that creative, where the creati- creativity comes from. Okay. Yeah. So when you look at uh, uh, being responsive, when you look at the stronger, more direct connection that loyalty provides to the consumer, as you talked about it earlier, should be part of that blueprint that you're having. You know, yeah. how much more important will loyalty be going forward? You know, uh, today, Apple, uh, mm-hmm. yesterday and today, a lot of press on it today, the, the new privacy uh, pieces mm-hmm. they have, the cookies are, the demise of cookies are coming, mm-hmm. right? And even just the infighting between Apple and Facebook and some of the other walled gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, challenging, right? Uh, sure. We just saw from uh, Google, they just basically advocated for loyalty programs in a big, big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think uh, customer loyalty is going to change and will it be more important going forward? Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- actually think it's critically important. I think it is loyalty that is, is this the center, the epicenter of everything. It is the source of truth. Um, in loyalty, data exists within a permissioned environment. Um, broader, broader, deeper data powers more personal and relevant experiences. Okay, and then better experiences drive this intended customer behavior. Good, and then customer behavior makes or breaks the business. So insights that we have from loyalty have the ability to permeate and influence the entire organization. The goal, I think, for brands is to ensure that their loyalty program is big enough to appeal to all of their consumers. By crafting a program that meets different consumers um, across a spectrum of where they are and where they are in their perceived relationship to the brand, um, and then works over time to grow those and deepen those relationships, I think that's how brands ultimately ensure their long-term success um, and that that success keeps loyalty just at the heart, the heart of everything they do. Absolutely, uh, the behavioral trends uh, change. Uh, viruses come, viruses go. <laughs> One of the biggest challenges that we see are you know the, the Martech stack. Uh, you know we run small sided meeting with brands on a weekly basis. Uh, we have two this week. Uh, you know one is on KPIs, but you know is. is how do they keep up, right? Uh, the, the right technology is, is very challenging. You, you go with enterprise stack, you go with a best and breed for three or four different pieces. Integration can be a big challenge. You have SDKs and APIs and what have you. You know, how does that, that, that right technology mix enable marketers to have the agility to execute on those customer experience platforms or opportunities, sorry? No, for sure. I, I And you know, this is, um, if brands weren't, uh, hyper focus on their Martech stack or digital stacks before they are now. Um, and though, you know, though I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a tech girl through and through, I have long held the belief that it's actually not about the technology; it's about the experience the technology enables. Um, earlier, we, we spoke about the need to have flexible and a unified approach to data, um, and that does allow that builds a solid and but flexible foundation. Um, and that foundation gives marketers the ability to respond to whatever the needs of the customers are creatively um, with the tech and platforms that set up those experiences. I think it goes back to this idea of responsiveness before creativity. If I mean, all brands that I know of uh, and that I read about and that I work with are in various stages of architecting, optimizing their data and their digital tech stacks. Um, and the goal of that is to be able to make smart decisions over time. The mix, I think, will look different for different companies, but the key theme is ultimately to gather the spectrum of data, make it usable and actionable, there's your foundation, and then allow it to power different technologies that deliver those awesome experiences um, to drive the the intended consumer behavior. 
Okay. And if you're too, if you're too swayed by um, one approach or you're too um, uh, connected to one approach over another or can, a specific technology over another, you lose uh, the, the benefit that can come from the flexibility that a, a strong, clear data architecture allows you. Then you can bring in um, the different technologies over time. Okay, great. Last question I have, kind of an open-ended question for you. Uh, what other emerging trends should brands be cognizant of, cognizant of like the tongue twister right here at the end, uh, to focus on for the remainder of 2021? Uh, you know, obviously, uh, people are getting the shots. Uh, the recovery is very robust. What should brands be focused on in this post-pandemic recovery? You know, I... I think that consumers have learned a lot this past year, not only about digital experiences and the adoption of what life could look like through a digital lens, but also about the security and safety around, around their data and the, the give and take relationship between personal information and divulging personal information and receiving better experiences. I think consumers are probably ready to have a serious conversation about what it looks like to share the data or share their own data with a brand they trust in order to have a better, more relevant experience set. Um, and I, I also expect that companies who have spent time preparing for this conversation, discussing how they can be stewards of their, cus of their customers' data um, and how they offer high perceived value um, experiences uh, and conveniences in exchange for the data are ultimately going to be much better positioned to serve those, to serve the customers and also secure like long-term success. Very informative. Uh, yeah, what you guys are doing, Kobe, obviously, is, is uh, very successful. Congratulations on your recent uh, analyst win. You guys do some great work. Uh, we know a number of your clients, so it's always great to hear from you personally and also uh, uh, see the validation that you're within the market. So uh, thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. Hopefully the marketers uh, will take something away from this and uh, you know, uh, be able to you know, make it uh, more important. Customer loyalty, matter, uh, as you mentioned, I think uh, it's a great time to be in the industry. I've never seen... Such interest in customer loyalty, my 10 years, a little over 10 years doing this. So uh, it's great uh, to be in this industry for sure. I know it. I, and we and we agree. Thank you for that. Um, and thanks for having us. Thanks for having me here. It's been a pleasure um, discussing what we're seeing in the space. Um, and congrats to you guys as well. Uh, look forward to look forward to many more. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And everyone, uh, join us back on Friday. I think we're going to have uh, Carlos Dunlap from Claris Commerce. Looking forward to that discussion. And uh, thanks for everything you do for the industry. Have a wonderful day, guys. Thank you.